Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Uh, Let me just kind of bring us up to speed today with what we're doing and what this whole uh, study is about. We have been given this incredible partnership with God. How many heard what I just said? Partnership. We have been given this amazing privilege that we are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth today. That's a stunning thing to me. That God took us from wherever we were, from wherever we'd fallen in sin or trouble or bondage or heartache or misery or despair, and through the work of Jesus in our lives, we have become partners with God to do the greatest thing that happens on this planet. It's partnership. I call it a privilege. I call it an opportunity. This is the purpose you're looking for in life. Always I'm hearing people say, Pastor, I'm trying to really figure out what am I supposed to do? Why am I on this planet? What's my purpose? What, what am I to do? It's this partnership that God uniquely created you to fulfill. When God created you, when you were being formed in your mother's womb, the Bible said God wrote a plan for you. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that there is a plan written in heaven with your name on that? Every one of us in this room. I want to say that again. Identity is a big thing in our culture today. Purpose is a big thing. Trying to understand who I am, why I am, what am I here? Well, the Bible says God wrote a plan with your name on it and no one else's name. Isn't that amazing? How personal is that? But here's what you have to understand. I have to be honest with you. The devil wrote a plan with your name on it too. And his plan at the bottom line has still kill and destroy. Wouldn't it be sad to live your whole life with a uniquely designed plan from God for you and never enter into that plan? Wouldn't it be sad to struggle through life trying to find identity, trying to find purpose, trying to connect the dots, and this incredible plan is there and you never got into it? You say, well, Pastor, how do I enter that plan? I'm glad you asked that. You enter that plan simply by recognizing Jesus Christ went to the cross for me, shed his blood for me. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. And when I ask him to come into my life, when I just simply trust him, when I lay that down and say, God, I trust you, here I am, you then step right in to that plan that begins to flesh out in your life. How many of you here today said, Pastor, I'm thankful that I've given my heart to Jesus? Give me a little wave today. Let's testify. Let's look at that. Look at all. Come on, put it up. Put it up. Look at all the people today walking in the purpose of God in their life. Look at all the potential in this house today. It's amazing. It, it, it gives us a sense of identity. It gives us a sense of belonging. God puts us together in church families like this. We're, we're here partnering with God, making a difference. We, we belong. There's fulfillment in our life. You know, Jesus came. He, he took our place. He died on the cross. He made salvation available to us. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. Now, if you're from those old school churches, I'm not supposed to preach this to the end of the sermon. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, if the preacher really gets it worked up, and finally at the end, you know, he, he gives you those things. Jesus died on a cross. And, mm-hmm, three days later, well, he raised from the dead. Mm, I can do that, but I don't, you've already heard that. So I'm just, I'm going to do it on the front end, do it my way. <laughs> I can hoop. I can, I can play. I can go with an organ. I can do that. <laughs> I've preached in 40 different countries. I'll preach any way they'll let me preach. I've preached 
It's embarrassing. They didn't have cameras. Thank God for no cell phone. I preached in Burma with uh, that skirt thing on. You understand what I'm saying? We, I call it a dress, but nobody took a picture. I threatened, don't you dare take a picture of me. So I had, I had a coat and tie on and a thing. They said, I said, do I have to wear that to preach? They said, yes. I said, turn your back. I'm going to put this thing on. I can preach. I can preach. Aren't you thankful the gospel is universal? And I believe people need to hear it. And if I got to wear, I shouldn't say that. Not now in this culture. I was going to say if I have to wear a dress to preach, I will. But you can't say that in America anymore because they're going to think I'm, because I'm not that. Okay, we're good. I'm already in trouble. Let's go on. But you know, he was raised from the dead. And you know, he is coming back again. How many excited about that? Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. That's how you really know if you're a Christian. See, if I say Jesus could come back right now, you're like, oh God, you're not saved. But if I say Jesus could come back right now, you're like, yes, sir, you're saved. That's the acid test right now. And do you know he could come back right now? Do you know he could come back before I say the next word, the next breath I breathe? I'm on, I'm ready to, I'm on board. I'm on board. Okay. So, so Jesus did this incredible gift for us. He made salvation available for us. He, he took our place. He died on the cross. We have grace. We have mercy. We don't earn his love. He gave it to us. We don't earn our salvation. Jesus paid for that. And so we've received this incredible gift. But then Jesus did this. He said, when I ascend back to the Father. Now, I know you guys are waiting. When am I going to read my scripture? Hold on. I I know you're waiting. Where are we going? So when he ascended back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he told the disciples, think of this. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and be with you, it's literally better than when you had me walking beside you. We need to know about that then. We need to understand what that means. We need to be able to walk that out. So he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And you're going to be able to partner with me. You're going to be able to listen to me. You're going to be able to do things you could never do in your own ability. You're going to be able to represent me. Think of this in a way that would be impossible if the Holy Spirit were not there to help you do this. So, so what are we saying? What's, that's my, that's, you know, the title of this series. So what's next? What was next after that? What, what are we here doing today? What's the whole concept? Guys, we didn't just come because it's Sunday. We came because we're on a, we're in a movement together here. We're in a partnership with God. What we do today matters, but what you do tomorrow matters. And the next day, and the next day. And what you do in this room matters, and what you do in your home matters. And what you do in your school matters, and what you do in the marketplace matters. Because we're on an assignment. We have a purpose. We have an identity. We have belonging. We have this sense of value in our life. So, so now we're his church. We're the church. What was next? We're the church. And he gave us this title. He called us the body of Christ. Now think of that. We're the body of Christ. And when, when he came the first time, this supernatural thing called the, the, the incarnation, the, 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 this, this ability God placed Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And she birthed his human body. He was still God. God was living in that body. God was living in that humanity. Why? Because we needed to see him. We needed to know him. He came and brought heaven to earth. He had a human physical body. We celebrate that at Christmas. 
the birth of Jesus, the incarnation. Mary, the young Jewish virgin, saying, yes, God, you can plant Jesus in me. And I'll give birth to his humanity, but he'll still be God on the inside. That was his original body. That's how he did everything you read in the Gospels he did. And here's the amazing thing you have to see today. You and I have to get this. It's what's next. That was his body initially to do that. We're the body now. We're the body now. We're now the humanity that God lives in that brings heaven to earth. Isn't that amazing? In, in, in our weakness, in our flaws, in our imperfection, in our hang-ups, in our issues, in our baggage, God chose this plan to take men and women like you and me to forgive us, to save us, to heal us, to deliver us, to come live inside of us and trust us to represent him on this earth. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. If people hear Jesus talking today, it's because you said something. If people are touched by the hand of God today, it's because you touched someone. If hope comes in someone's home today, it's because you walked in that home. If Jesus goes to work somewhere, it's because you went to work there. If Jesus goes to school somewhere, it's because you went there. Listen, you can pass laws. You can make guidelines. You can say you can't pray in school. But if you walk in that school, Jesus walked in that school. And you can pray in the school. I tell you, I love to visit the school. I don't make a big deal of it. I don't get a megaphone or a microphone and walk up and down the halls and yell. But I, when I walk down the halls, I just let my hand go across the wall. And while I'm walking, I'm touching that wall. I touch every locker. I try to touch every door. I walk real slow and I'm saying, oh God, come in this school. Bless this school. Bless this school. When I drive by the schools, I say, God bless that school. When I walk them, we bless them. Why? Because you, if you can't keep the student out, you can't keep God out. Come on. <laughs> if they can't keep you from going to work, they can't keep God from going to work. We're his body. It's amazing. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We represent him on this planet. We're in partnership with him. It's a high and a holy calling. But, 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 and I want you to know, I want you to get to church. Everywhere you go, God wants to go. Everywhere you go, God wants to go. We have that privilege. We have that opportunity to bring him. But I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. Just as Jesus, are you with me? Just as Jesus, to begin his ministry, he was baptized by John. And what happened as he was coming up out of the water? The Holy Spirit came on him. And the Bible said God filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he says this, without measure. Wow. Without measure. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he began his public ministry. If we're the body of Christ now, and that's what happened to him then, then if we are to represent him, if we are to be his body now, are you tracking with me? If we are to do his will and his works now, then just as he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we must be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because guys individually and even all of us corporately together can never do what Jesus did unless we are filled with what filled him. Unless we are empowered with what empowered him. But if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can do the will of God. We can even do the works of God. It's amazing. We have to understand, we're not just people going to a church. We're not just people hanging out. We're the body of Christ. We have been given a privilege, an assignment, a holy calling. I I, I want you to get this. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 12. John 14, 12. This is a radical statement. 
It's a radical statement. I've heard theologians try to explain this every way you can imagine. And all of those explanations are usually pretty lame. Did you hear what I said? John 14, 12. Look at this. Come on. Jesus said this. How many believe Jesus tells the truth? (laughs) How many believe he always told the truth? How many believe he never told a lie? How many believe he can back up what he said? All right. You said that. You raised your hand. Jesus said, very truly I tell you. Whoever believes in me, who believes? I believe. Anybody believe? Okay. Whoever believes in me, this, this kind of, can you say freaks me out in church? I'll say something else. This startles me. (laughs) This shocks me. If this doesn't grab you, you didn't really read that. If this doesn't grab you, you're really not paying attention when you read the Bible. Because he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever, all of us in the house, God, everybody online, will do the works I've been doing. Come on. That should give you a little pause. Do the works I've been doing? Do what he did? That's just, let's be real. That's crazy. That's crazy. But Jesus isn't crazy. And he really meant it. So what are we going to do with this? You're going to do the works I've been doing, and then, and then, then, you know, it, I, I don't want to. Say, one time I said that blows my mind, and the guy looked at me and said, "Small explosion." So, so whatever. How you want to do it? And they will do greater than than these. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about that. You, whoever believes in me, will do the works I've been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, church, he's talking about you and me. I'm wrestling with, what am I going to do about that? I'm the pastor of this church. I have to answer to God for his word in this church. And are we doing what the word says? Are, are, are we the body of Christ? Are we representing him? You know, I wrestle with things like this. I look at that and look at me. Have I said it? Have I, have I dwelt on this point long enough to have your attention? I think we just read through that sometimes and just like, hmm. Well, that's for so and so. This is us. So let's be honest. How in the world are we going to do the works that he did? Other than die on the cross. How are we going to do that? How did he do it? Here's what you must understand. When Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and put on this human flesh, he left in heaven every privilege of being God. He kept his nature, but he left his privilege. So everything he did, have I got your attention? On this earth, I got three people's attention, that's okay. Everything he did on this earth, he did limited in his humanity like every one of us in this building. Every one of us. Everything he did. So how did he do those works? Limited in our human flesh. He did it because he was relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. So, if we're going to do what this says, we're going to have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't believe Jesus made that statement to frustrate us. I believe he made that statement to encourage us. I believe he made that statement to wake us up. I believe he made that statement to blow away some of the myths and the doubts and the fear and the religion and the ritual that has been saddled on the church in this generation. 
I believe he made that statement so you and I would tap the brake and go, my goodness, he's not through. His works aren't over. Anybody with me right now? The church is still alive. Jesus is still Jesus. His word is still his word. He still wants to do what he did. He still wants to be who he is. He still wants hurting people to know him and find him. He wants the woman caught in adultery to be thrown at our feet. Instead of us throwing stones, we throw her help and grace and bring her back in our life. He still wants broken families to be healed. He still wants demons to be cast out. He still wants dead things to be made alive. He still wants hope to come back in your life. He still wants a nation to still have a revival. He still wants students alive and well. He's the same God. And he chooses to do this through you and I. So, I'm just going to rely on the Holy Spirit. I don't comprehend that. I can't explain that to you. I don't know how to tell you, you and I are going to do what Jesus did. only thing I know is I'm going to go after it the same way he went after it. I'm just going to surrender and say, God, do what you do. But then, then he says greater things. Now I'm really torn up. The only explanation I can understand is that if we are doing what he did, I don't just mean the walking on the water and the breaking the bread and feeding the folks. That can still happen. Did you hear me? Miracles are alive and well in the church. But what I need to do, my part, is to trust Him and make myself available and say, Holy Spirit, if you did it then, do it now. And I don't care who He uses. I don't care about names and titles and PR. and Just do it, God. Just reach the people that are hurting. Do what you do. Save those that are lost. Make your name glorious. But what about the greater things? I believe it may be this. That while Jesus was on earth in that first body... Miracles only happen in the physical proximity of where he was. The great works that he did only happened if he was there. Are you with me? They only happened if he was there. If he's in Jerusalem, nobody's going to be healed in Galilee. If he's in Capernaum, nobody's going to get healed in Bethesda. But the good news is, because the body of Christ now is not one human form, it's every born-again believer on the planet who makes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the possibility now is that everywhere you go, God can go. Everywhere you live, God can live. Every neighborhood you're in, God can walk in that neighborhood. And Jesus can do what he always did, but he can do it through a billion people on this planet. Now, are you with me? And a billion things can be happening at one time. So I want to raise your faith and your expectation. There are almost 8 billion people on this planet now. They tell us there's 1.5 billion Christians right now. I happen to believe tomorrow if 1.5 billion miracles happened on this planet, I believe the rest of the place would get saved by the end of the month and Jesus just come back and get us. Don't look at me. That's not nonsense. Do the works of Jesus. How's it greater? It's just the body of Christ is everywhere all over this planet doing amazing things. So what did he tell us? What did he tell us? Let me, let me make sure I'm tracking here. I'm good. Let's look at Acts 1 verse 8. So how do we do it? How did he do the things he did? He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. How will we ever do what we're encouraged to do? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Church family, that's not intimidating to us. That's encouraging to us. That God will use us. That God will use us. That God will move. That God will do great things. Isn't it interesting that most <clears throat> revivals 
an awakening in history happened with children and students. That's where they started. Do you know why? Because they didn't try to figure it out. They just said yes. I'm going to say that on this side over here. So I can... Most great awakenings in this nation happen in college campuses and student ministries and, and, and young people. You know why? Because they just were naive enough, and I use that word in quotes, to believe that God is who he says he is. And God could do what he said. Instead of filtering it through all of our stuff, they just said, okay. You know, we, we get, we get so much religion and ritual in us. Pastor reads John 14, 12, and we immediately start trying to filter that. You know, so, saw the Jesus Revolution movie. Those, those kids read John 14, 12 and they go, cool. That's really cool. Let's do it. Let's go for it. You know, let's try it. And people we don't think are qualified, God's using. You know why? Because they just say, here I am. See, we're always straining. Well, why did God use them? They probably just said, okay, let's go. They weren't pleading their own case. They weren't pleading their own righteousness. You know, I, the, the, we got to get this thing. Uh, true story. Uh, uh, an uptown big, you know, big, big time preacher had a big uptown church. Big, you know, that kind of church. And he was invited by a friend come speak at his small country church that was getting it started. And so he preached his message to his uptown, you know, classy church on Sunday morning. And, you know, business as usual. He came and preached to the little country church that night. They amen, they shouted, people got saved, just about had a revival breakout. And he said, I don't understand. I preached that same message to my church this morning. Nobody did anything. I come here now and preach this sermon to you guys, and we, we almost had a runaway in this place. He said, What's, what happened? He said, well, you big city folks are pleading your own case. We just plead guilty as charged and let God do what he wants to do around here. Not that hard, folks. <laughs> Not that hard. So let's look at this. What did Jesus say? Jesus fully intended us to be the body of Christ. And so he says, look, here's the deal. He says, I want you to tell the world about me, but you need some help first. You receive power. Power. Power to do what? power to do what he did so let's 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 do this you know i I believe the miracles but maybe we need the power to forgive like he forgave are you with me maybe we need the power to love like he loved maybe we need the power to see what he saw in people's lives he walked up to peter he said you know they call you they they call you reed but i'm going to make you a rock you know he saw that he said he he saw thomas sitting under that tree Maybe we need the power to see what Jesus sees in people. Maybe we need the power to love the people like Jesus loved people. Maybe we need his power to forgive people, power to rescue people, power to pray for the little children. And the the big, powerful disciples said, oh, he doesn't have time for that. Jesus said, stop it. I want to pray for these babies. Stop it. Put that stuff up. I want to help these guys. Maybe we need that power too. You receive power. When? When do we receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Luke 24 said this. said, you'll be clothed with power from on high. Where we are today in our culture, please help me. We, we, we don't need any more religion. Can I tell you something? We don't need any more politics. Can I tell you something? We don't need any more division. We don't need any more racism. We don't need any more judgmentalism and criticism. We are living in a broken, hurting culture. Do you know the Surgeon General said the greatest pandemic in America today? You know what it is? It wasn't COVID. He said it was loneliness. 
We live in an epidemic, no, pardon me, a pandemic of loneliness. A people that are more internet and social media connected than ever before. Do you think that? What an oxymoron. This is the most connected culture in the history of humanity. And yet it is the most lonely culture in the history of humanity. We are, we are connected, but we're not committed. We are connected, but we're not involved. And so he says, in the middle of this hurting culture, can I give us a challenge? Let's let other people argue. Let's let other people condemn. Let's let other people judge. Anybody with me? Let's let other people argue about politics. See, the reason I don't want to argue about politics is because I can't find any political person that's good enough to put my confidence in. I know I made some of you mad, but so what? I can't, I can't find any political leader that is even close to Jesus. Now, I'll promote Jesus. I'll stand for Jesus. I'll preach on the corner for Jesus. But I hadn't found any man or woman perfect enough for me to get upset about it yet. <laughs> I haven't found any human, human being that's good enough for me to get so worked up. I'm going to get mad if you don't like who I like. If you didn't vote for who I voted for. Because what I'm saying, well, let's let other people do that thing. Why don't we start loving like Jesus loved? Why don't we start forgiving like Jesus forgave? Why don't we start seeing like Jesus saw? Why don't we start connecting like Jesus connected? Why don't we stop saying, I'm a racist or the victim of racism? Why don't we stop saying that I'm rich, you're poor, you owe me, you no, no, no. Why don't we start saying, I've got everything this world knows. There's not a poor person in this building. There's not a victim in this building. Are you listening to me today? When you step into the kingdom of God, victimization just was broken off your life. When you step into the kingdom of God, lack was broken off your life. When you step into the kingdom of God, you are the child of the God who spoke the universe into existence. And his name is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I don't need a man to provide for me. I don't need a law to provide for me. I don't need somebody to give me anything. I serve the God who makes bread out of stones. I serve the God who brings water out of the rock. I serve the God who drops manna out of the sky. I serve the God who knows who I am, where I am, what I need, when I need, how to get it to me. We need to stop living down here and start living up here. We're members of the kingdom of God. There's power in our life. There's power. We're connected to unlimited resources. We just need to be who he said we are. If you want to find... Listen, you know why we have identity crisis in this culture? And see, that's low-hanging fruit in church. I'm going to be honest with you. It's low-hanging fruit. What does that mean? Oh, I can stand up here and rail against transgender people. I can stand up here and rail against homosexuality. Oh, you get a big amen in church. Talk about adultery and pornography. It gets quiet in the house. Let somebody else do that. Let's let the love of God flow through us. Let's let the power of God flow through us. Hey, hey, why don't we really find out who we are in the church? And maybe everybody around us will find out who they are. Maybe if we'll find our identity, somebody else will get their identity. Maybe if we get made whole, somebody searching through all this confusion and deception will find some answers in their life. Yeah, maybe they're losing their identity because they don't have someone that has Jesus with some skin on to see what real identity really looks like. Maybe we need to stop judging the people that we're supposed to be winning to the Lord. Maybe we need to start having an identity so real 
that somebody says, I'd like to have some of that. I'd like to get some of that. You're amening better than I'm preaching today. I'm doing my best. So what did he say? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be whose witness? We're the body of Christ. You'll be my witnesses. People hang around with you and they see me. People listen to you talk and they hear my words. Please, people see what you do and they see me. Little children pray for little children and God heals them. Grandma prays for grandma and God heals them. See? And God begins to work. We begin to see. We begin to move. It's not us. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses. He was speaking to people in Jerusalem. So he said, it starts right where you are. That's always the hardest place. Did you know that? (laughs) That's always a tough place, right where you are. Isn't it funny? We could go on a mission trip to somewhere overseas and witness and preach and pray. We come back home. We can't even pray at work. I see. That's when it gets quiet in church. We, we, we can, you know, we can go to another state and you, you're, you turn into the apostle Paul. <laughs> we, we go home and we, you know, you're Judas. <laughs> Sorry. So what do we need? We need power from the Holy Spirit to be what we can't be in our own ability. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to find why God put us on this earth. And this isn't just for the perfect people. You know why God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? Not because we earn it, because we need it. Not because we deserve it, but because we need it. Not, not because we're a better Christian than somebody else. It's because we recognize, I can't do that without you. I can't be that without you. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. People say, well, what is that? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> Some great things are going to happen to you. You know, that sin that so easily beset you, God's going to snap that string off your life. You know, that fear that intimidated you, God's going to snap that fear off your life. And it's for real people in real situations. It's not just for preachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We're the body of Christ. It's the church. It's the church. Just living this thing out. Okay. So we see Acts 1-8. You need to receive this power. We know what happens and, 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 uh, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2. They, they, the rushing mighty wind came in the roof. Tongues of fire. They begin to pray in unknown tongues. They're in power. Peter, the coward, the denier, stands up and preaches and 3,000 people get saved. He's walking to the temple in Acts chapter 3 and the lame man that he had seen for months and years was healed and begins running and leaping and praising God. And then where I left you off last time, we're in Acts chapter 4. And, 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 and what happened there? Because... This undeniable, let's go to Acts 4 just for a minute. I want you to see this. This is what God wants to do with us. You know, there, there are some things God can do, I want you to listen to me, that end all the arguments. Reinhard Bonnke said in, in explaining the power of the Holy Spirit in the church, you know, he was, his world was Africa. Reinhard Bonnke, think of the line, he said, listen, listen. <laughs> he said, if you have a line, a lion, You don't have to define the lion. You don't have to defend the lion. You don't have to explain the lion. Just let the lion out of the cage. He'll take care of himself. So this is what concerns me. When I look at the church in America, when I look at our cultural divides, our racial divides, the things that are going on, I get the feeling like we're trying to defend Jesus. 
We're trying to define Jesus. We're trying to explain Jesus. Might I suggest we just let Jesus out of the cage? <laughs> He's going to do really well for himself. But how do we let him out of the cage? <laughs> Come on. You and me. You and me. Maybe, maybe we keep him in the cage because in our heart of hearts, we don't really believe we can be the body of Christ. So we, we create theology that says, well, he doesn't do that anymore. We create dogma that says, well, when the apostles died, the power of God left the church. We create theology that says, well, you know, that was for them, but it's not for now. Maybe we should just humbly come to God and say, you know, I believe that Acts 1-8 thing, that you're going to endure us with power so we can be a witness of you and just let him work through our lives. Let's, let's, let's not worry if you're going to raise the dead today. Let's get concerned if we love our neighbor today. How about that? How about that? Let's start there. Let, let, let's not put you at, at, you know, break the bread and feed the 20,000. I'm okay if, you're, if you hadn't done that yet. Let's just get the, here's my life part on this. You know, fill me with the Holy Spirit, God. I, I just want you to do that. Let, how about that? Because what happens is, let's look at Acts 4. When Jesus becomes real <laughs> through ordinary men and women, there's going to be a push to hold that back. That's where we are in America today, right? So we need some things to happen that take the arguments away. And I'm going to close with this. Acts 4. So what happens? Acts 3, Peter and John going to the temple to pray. God heals a lame man. Lame man's running around the prison, messing everybody's... Not the prison. That was a Freudian slip, if you know what that means. The, the lame man's running around the temple. I honestly didn't plan that. <laughs> Honest to God, I didn't. I asked him to speak to me today, so if, if you like it, it was God. If you don't, blame me, okay? So, so he's running around through the temple, just wrecking everybody's plan. Are you with me? Just wrecking the plan. They're, you know, the religious people are going, well, that's not on the program today. Where, wait a minute. Where does it say run and leap and shout? What is that? We, we don't have any place here for healing. It, there's no, that, you, you, well, you, you can't, you, but there's the guy running around, jumping up and down, been lame all his life. So what do they do? Look at chapter four, verse one. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Isn't that crazy what upsets people? Look at this. Come on, take your rose colored glasses off while I finish. They, look at this. So what was disturbing? What disturb? Can I tell you that worship team? Go ahead and get in your place. Sorry. You can tell where you are in believing if Jesus wants to live through His church today. Are you with me? Listen, by what disturbs you and what doesn't. Why do you get disturbed because a lame man got healed? Why is that disturbing? What's disturbing about Peter and John telling how it happened? Isn't that interesting? Is that not? Is that fascinating to me? These are the religious leaders. Okay. They were greatly, they weren't just disturbed, they were greatly disturbed. Because the apostles, why? Were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They said, you can't do this Jesus thing. You can't be a part of a miracle and then give Jesus the credit for it. Because if God did a miracle through you and you said it's because of Jesus, then everybody has to admit Jesus is still alive. 
See, they said, you stop this resurrection stuff in Jesus' name because you're going to mess us up. We killed him. We killed him. We thought it was over. And now here you dudes come out and a miracle happens. And this man's running around praising God. And you're saying Jesus did it through us. And if that's true, then he isn't dead. And the church is alive. And his word's still true. And his body now is doing what his body did then. See, that's what messed him up. We killed his body. And now we're looking up and his body's everywhere. How are we going to kill all of you? How are we going to chase you all out? You've got to stop. You've got to shut up. You, if, if, if what you're saying is true, we're messed up around here. Religion just got booted. Ritual just got tanked. The devil just got defeated. See, that's the simple thing. You can't say Jesus did that through you. Because if that's what happened, we're in trouble. I want to tell you today, <laughs> we need to have Jesus working and moving through his church today in such a way that the only explanation is Jesus did that. Jesus did that. We need the body of Christ all over North Alabama. Come on, are you with me? In every school, in every home, in every business place, in everywhere we go. So what happens is that as Jesus is working through the church and we're saying he did it, it is an evident testimony that everything he was, he still is. And everything he did, he still does. And if you're hurting and you're lonely and you're bound and you're, you're, you're confused and you're deceived, we've got really, really, really good news for you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will do for you what he's done for anyone else. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand together today. I'm so thankful. That we're not part of a dead religion, but a living Savior today. How many are thankful for that today? Living Savior. It's a big partnership God put on us. To do His works. To do His will. But listen to me. Here's the genius of God's plan. Do you think He fully knew who we are? What He had to work with? (laughs) Come on. Yeah, He knew that. And this is God's genius. He says, I'm going to choose to use people so that when I do what I said I would do, I'm going to get all the glory. (laughs) Because people are going to say, they couldn't do that. I want you to hear me today. Whatever you're doing, listen to this last two minutes. Whatever you're doing in place of serving Jesus is a counterfeit. It's a, it's a substitute. It's a lie from the devil. If you're here today, you're online, you're with me now, and you're saying, Pastor, you know, I hear what you're saying, but you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm leaning on this. This is, this is how I'm getting my identity. This is what I'm doing to find my self-esteem. If you are putting a relationship in the place of Jesus, it's going to fail. It has, it has shelf life on it. It's not infinite like he is. It's finite. It's not going to last. And then what are you going to go to next? See, everything that, that I'm leaning on in place of Jesus is going to let me down someday. Everything that is in my way from serving him with all my heart is going to rip me off and rob me. 
No matter how deep you're into it, God can bring you out. No matter how long you've trusted in it, God can bring you out. You understand that today? So this is real. Listen, if Jesus doesn't work in your real life, in real situations, then let's go home. Let's lock the doors and give this to the Lions Club. Okay? He's who he says he is. He'll do what he said he can do. If a drug has captured you and addicted you, and you think, well, how am I going to get through the day? How am I going to make it? I can tell you that Jesus can break the addiction and become to you everything that drug did and ten times more. If you're having to lie about your life, He can bring you truth and peace that's better than anything you ever had before. That's what we're saying. A real Jesus for real people living in this real world. And He just wants to work through His church to show who He is. So I want everybody to bow their head with me for a moment. And, and, and just, would you make an altar with you and the Lord right where you are? Right where you are. And I just sense such a drawing of the Holy Spirit of men and women's life. I feel like the last two minutes is why some of you are even here today. It's, you heard me finally. You heard the word finally. If you're here today or you're online, you'd say, Pastor, I, I get it. I'm, I'm tired of chasing this thing down. I'm tired of being my own answer. I, I'm weary of, of substitutes and counterfeits. I'm willing to make a radical decision and just trust Him. Just trust Him. Would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray over you. Say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Who else? Who else today? Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Online, praying for you reaching out to you right there since God dealing with you but since that happening since that happening right where you are I'd like to do this I'd like to ask everybody here just pray this prayer out loud after me is that good can you do that everybody will you help me let's pray together dear Jesus I come to you today I want you to repeat this online too I come to you today and I need you I'm tired of trying to make my life work Without you. I ask you to forgive me. Of my sin. I ask you to rescue me. From my sin. I ask you to come live in my heart. And heal the broken places. Fill the empty places. I ask you. To save me. Today. Today I confess. You're my savior. You're my lord. I give you my life in totality. I trust you to save me, forgive me, rescue me. I will serve you for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for people coming home today. Yes. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.